prepare yourself to be blown away by the seismic sounds and scrutiny of... After Shots Podcast with Chris Aiken and Matt Hartnett. All right, well, here we go. Welcome to another episode of the Aftershocks podcast. And joining me and Chris on this episode is a gentleman who's been a permanent fixture and figurehead in the L.A. rock and industrial music scene for over three decades now. Most know him from his time as the guitarist and uh, synthesizer player for platinum-selling 90s artist Orgy. And he's here to talk about his current outfit, Julian Kay, who just released their fifth record titled Harmonic Disruptor, Mr. Amir Rock. Mir, how you doing? Thanks for coming on, bud. I'm doing well, um, considering the circumstances. <laughs> sure, I know. How you, well, how you been doing with all this, uh, you know, this pandemic madness that we've been engulfed in over the last four months? Well, we um, kind of, well, Ryan smartly launched a Patreon for us <clears throat> um, because our tour got canceled uh, now twice mm. for this year. Um, so we won't be touring at all this year. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, we just had to kind of revamp our business for now um, and re-engage our fans in a way to help us sustain what we're doing and be able to create new music and new content for them. Um, I mean, personally, I think all of us, you know, I think we're pretty fortunate in where we live. And, you know, it's been it's been pretty mild for most of us as far as, you know, having anybody get sick or whatever. Um you know, we kind of live out of the city, <laughs> so we're not in an area where, you know, there's a lot of people or anything like that, so we've all been being really safe and social distancing, wearing our masks, mm-hmm. um, you know, keeping our groups small as much as possible. We have been doing some work, um, doing some production stuff. Ryan and I have a production team called Framework. Um, and we've been doing, you know, we're just kind of starting to get back into working with some of the bands that we work with. Slaves to Humanity is one of them. Um, they've been doing really well. KLOS here in L.A. has picked up two of their songs and um, they're in heavy rotation. They're still in high school. Wow. They have no mm-hmm. record deal as of wow. yet. And they're blowing up here, even through all this COVID stuff, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, we're working on a new Edema record, which may, you, you guys may or may not know. Ryan is also the singer in that mm-hmm. band. Sure. Um, we've, we've just started working on a new Edema record. There's already some songs written. Um, we have a lot of new Julian K stuff we're working on. I've been mixing. I've been mixing the new Ghost Beater record. And, of course, I've been doing Slaves to Humanity and some other projects as well. So, you know, being home we've been able to kind of flip it around. It's been tricky because we also are, Ryan and I are partners in some restaurants and that's been, that's been pretty brutal. Uh, it's brutal. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And that's like yeah. something that, you know, we, we started a while ago. We kind of balance our, um, you know, income with, with some passive income so that we can do the art stuff, you know, the way mm-hmm. that we want to do our music and, be able to kind of live the lives that we want to live so you know we do have some investments and things but this was like a double whammy for us no tour 
no restaurants, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. it's been pretty crazy. Yeah. No. So, yeah. You know, outside of that, families are all good and, you know, friends, most of them, as far as I can tell, are good. There's a few outlier outliers that have caught COVID. Um, seems like more lately there's some stuff kind of going on. It's definitely kind of resurging. Mm-hmm. Just scary. Sure. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, let's, let's yeah. talk about some positive uh, stuff. No, I know it is. It's, it's crazy. I mean, obviously, and this is a tough time to be released in a, uh, a new album right in the middle of this shutdown. It's hard to promote a record, too, when you can't play live and like yeah. just all this stuff you were just talking about. But, you know, me and Chris, we really dig this new record, Harmonic Disruptor. I mean, you know, on one of your pages, I think it might be the Wikipedia page, I think it stated something that you described the band's sound as Depeche Mode meets Chemical Brothers. And while I agree with that comparison <laughs> on the previous albums... I'm going to suggest you add maybe Ministry and KMFDM into that mix because this new record is a hard charger, man. I mean, yeah. there's some great riffing on this new record, especially the title track, uh, Lies Like Fire, Shut Down Your Soul. Those three songs right there, man, they're, they're definitely heavy hitters. What made you guys want to turn up the heavy on this record? Because it really is different than anything you guys have done, at least what I've heard. You know, uh, you know, it's, it's really, to me, it feels like it's a blast out of the old heyday of the industrial rock and metal scene of the 90s. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, you totally nailed that on the head. I got to go back and fix that Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think now it's more like Depeche Mode meets Nine Inch Nails, mm-hmm. right? Or Orgy, yeah. whatever. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, I most of these albums, like the concepts for them, they start relatively early. Um, a while ago, I had been toying with the idea of sort of bringing back some of that 90s kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, not only like our orgy sounds and things like that, but just that whole industrial thing that I think, you know, most people sort of associate us with, whether, you know, I mean, Fu, one of our other, you know, writers, co-producer, engineer guy programming, you know, we've been working together since the orgy days. And, you know, he comes from the whole skinny puppy camp and mm-hmm. the network records camp. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ryan and I, of course, being, most notably or most known for uh you know orgy that's obviously what most people know us as and i thought you know maybe it was time to kind of revisit some of that stuff and you know i kind of put some feelers out there with fans and i've even had family and friends and people say like you know you guys should kind of own that stuff again um you know there's just There's not really anybody out there that sounds like us in particular, I would say, Mm -hmm. and and kind of what, you know, Ryan and I do. And so I kind of worked up a couple of ideas initially. Shut Down Your Soul was was one of those. Um, Harmonic Disruptor was also one. Lies Like Fire, As the Sirens Call, I think. Those were some of the early tracks that I had kind of worked up on my own. And then I presented it to Ryan and Fu, and they loved it. And I said, well, we need to, you know, kind of go back to this. And they were into it. And then at that point, we kind of threw the net out wider to some of the other guys in the band, like Biddy Cobra and Alex Gonzalez, who are both also great writers. Told them, like, this is what we're thinking. And although at first I don't think they kind of got it because they were like, this sounds very 90s. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what I want to do. kind of reinvent the wheel here Mm -hmm. i want to go back to that and and revisit it you know 
give it a new twist. I mean, it's still got some new elements to it, um, as with everything that we do. And then also Eric Stoffel um, is another guy that we've written with on a lot of our records, and he came in with the initial uh, song seed for Stronger Without You, which is like one of the best songs on the record. Um, and we just kind of dove into it, and it was really fun to kind of go back and, and just really, I really did want to make this record hard. Um, the initial concept of it, Harmonic Disruptor, was my idea, and I felt like it really needed to be kind of a kick in the pants or a slap in the face or whatever you want to say. I really wanted to kind of flip the script, you know, of what we've been doing, not because I don't like what we've done or whatever, but I, I think we're in that unique position being an independent band um, that's funded by our fans that, yes, we can experiment. Yes, we can try things. And some of it works better than others. Some of it seems to connect better than others. And I just felt like it was time, maybe after 20 years, you know, the cycle was ready again for us to kind of go back to that. And I wanted this record to be very cohesive in that style. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far, the fans have really been digging it. Yeah. And, you know, we were really excited to go out with the Birthday Massacre and they had a new record coming out and we had a new record coming out. It was going to be a great tour. We were going to release the record (laughs) together, uh, or records, I should say, and then it all fell apart. But, you know, we thought, look, everybody's going to be stuck at home now for a while. Like, what are we going to do, sit on this record? Right. No, no. So we decided to just move forward, put the record out. get all of our Indiegogo perks fulfilled and, you know, give some, everybody something to listen to while they're bored. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, they won't be bored listening to this. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly different on the comparison. I, I certainly hear the, um, you know, the candy ass vibe sort of, uh-huh. but I, I personally always thought that, 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 that orgy record specifically had a little bit more of a Marilyn Manson Probably, probably vocally is is the yes. reason why. Where I honestly think that um, harmonic disruptor, especially with the guitar parts and with the some of the programming, is kind of mid mid two thousand era nine inch nails, like with teeth era, you know, bite the hand that feeds type of a sound. Is awesome. is is that where you were kind of at when you were, especially when you're writing the guitars, because you know you take. I'll, I'll point to two songs specifically, Cross and Burn the System. Yeah. Both of those have that, I don't know if it's guitar line or if it's whatever, I'll call it the electronic pulse that drives the song. Yeah. Very similar to Bite the Hand That Feeds, which is a is very cool because it's, you know, while it sounds like it should have been yesterday for 2005, that was 15 years ago, so it's good yeah. to bring that back, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's funny because those are definitely the songs that uh, Biddy and Alex were involved in. And like I said, you know, when we, we kind of start an album or whether I'm producing my own band or some other band, I have what I call a kind of a style council and I create, you know, like a playlist of songs or whatever. And I say, you know, this is the vibe I'm going for. Not that I'm going to rip it off, but it's just this sort of song starter. Right. And I'm sure a lot of those songs were in there and a lot of the vibes that they were kind of bringing to the table definitely had a bit of like nine inch nails to it. And then we just make it Julian K, you know? Right. Um, 
I'm not afraid to talk about who our influences are or you know give them credit. I mean, these are great bands. I agree with you 100%, though. Orgy definitely had a little more Manson to it. Sure. Of course, Jay being a different singer. Um, yeah, and this is this is definitely more. That's why I was saying maybe the Depeche Mode Nine Inch Nails is a is a better comparison <laughs> now, you know, or Ministry or uh, Skinny Puppy and KMFDM and all these bands that you know were definitely an influence. Sure. When when you're creating, you specifically when you're creating, and you play something that does remind of something else, as you know, you're making it pretty obvious that that does happen with you. Mm-hmm. Is that very organic, or is that almost decision making, where you're like, I'd like to have something that sounds like this, versus you start playing it, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool, and it's got that vibe, you know, organically. I used to think that. Um, I was super weird in the way that I wrote songs because I'm not really a singer-songwriter type of writer. Ryan is is the singer-songwriter type of writer. I write more from a concept. So it is very preconceived from from the beginning. I I learned, you know, later on that I think Trent Reznor is one of those people as well, that he kind of writes from concepts as as well. and yes, I do. It's like, I'll, I'll have a specific, like, for example, the song Harmonic Disruptor, which I didn't know was going to be the title um, song from the very beginning, was something I started with Foo. And I said, Foo, you know, I want something, you know, we had written a bunch of songs already. And I said, I want something that's, I don't remember the exact tempo, but I feel like it was 132 beats per minute. And I said, I want something at 132 beats per minute. I want you to go back to your roots, you know, and I want you to hand me something to start with that's going to send me off in this direction kind of thing. Like, kind of gave him some... Foo works really well with direction like that. Um, And so he went off with with some of his programming and synths and stuff, and he he came up with this initial idea, um, which we've now shared on Patreon, um, the original demo, like that he had started the first thing, which sounds so different <laughs> from where it ended up. But there was something there from the beginning. He didn't totally hit the mark, but he he hit on something. And I'm like, you know, there's something here. It's not really what I was hearing, but there's something here. And then we took it and then I started putting the da 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 You know, they started putting the guitar on it. And then it was like, once all that happened, then it was like, oh, I kind of see what you're saying now, you know, and then mm-hmm. Fu and I went back and forth. And then Ryan pretty quickly came up with uh, with the idea. I think he I can't remember if he ended up saying, you know, started saying Harmonic Disruptor because I had already had that as a title for the album, but not for a song. And then he did it. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Nice. This, it, this is going to be the title track. And, you know, we're going to take it. And then Fu and I just went crazy on it. We did some like crazy programming, um, you know, but again, it came out of this concept of that. I really just wanted a really kind of driving song at about 132 beats per minute um, in the vein of, you know, some things. Mm-hmm. And that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, industrial rock and, and you know, in general, I mean, it's sort of been, sort of like a forgotten genre, you know, over the last, mm-hmm. you know, say 15, 20 years. I mean, other than the usual heavyweights like, you know, Orgy and Nine Inch Nails and, 
you know, Rob Zombie or whatever. You haven't really heard much from the genre. We haven't heard much from it in a while, at least here in the States, you know. And I was telling Chris that when I was listening to, our, you know, the new album, it really sounded fresh to me. I mean, it made me realize really how this kind of music really needs to be relevant, I think, again, you know, within the, the rock, you know, community. Uh, it's actually made me appreciate the, you know, the genre itself, a little, you know, more than I, I previously did. I mean, I always liked a lot of stuff, but it's like, wow, I haven't heard this stuff in so long. It's sounding real fresh again, you know, and, um, you know, so do you feel that this, you know, this type of music, the industrial rock as a whole, can it, you think it can ever get back to a place where it was in the 90s, especially, you know, when you see how popular EDM, for instance, is across the globe, you know, it's something that always makes sense where you have rock mixing once again with electronic music. Um, you know, I don't, I, that's a very good question. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm glad that you thought it was like a fresh take on it because that's really what I was going for. I wanted it to be reminiscent and, and really kind of live in that, you know, nineties, 2000 era, but still have a freshness to it. Still mm -hmm. feel new, I guess, in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm glad that you, you got that. Um, I do agree that I've missed that kind of sound, I think. I think, well, we, I know the whole band did, and even a lot of our close friends and family and other people and fans, have, you know, have missed, have missed that kind of sound. Um, it's hard to say, though. I mean, I don't think it's gone away. I mean, there, there definitely was a, a resurgence of that kind of style here in L.A., Mm. Um, there's there's some very cool bands that have come out like Youth Code. Have you heard of them? I have I've not, heard. I have not. Yeah, I've heard yeah. of the name, but I haven't heard of them. Oh, okay, you need to yeah. listen to Youth Code. Okay. Sarah Sarah's a friend. She's the, the singer, if you want to call it that. I mean, she's a screamer. She's. <laughs> I mean, she. They. It's pretty. It's insane. You need to listen to Youth Code. Right. That's a, a band that's kind of broken out of this kind of thing. And then there's also a band called Health. Do you know them? No. No. Okay. You need to no. listen to them, too. Now, Health isn't really industrial, but they use those elements. They kind of um, they mix a lot of this stuff. It's, it's different. But, man, that is a really fucking cool band. Mm -hmm. So check out Health and Youth Code. And these are like bands to me that are really kind of breaking new barriers with this style of kind of music. Um, they're still kind of, they're not huge, you know, they're not ministry or whatever, but those bands will be happy to take these bands on tour with them. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> A really cool underground thing that's been building around that kind of style. It's, it's new though, you know, it's like, it's got a new, new thing to it. So definitely right. check that out. But I, I do think there is a scene for it because I, people, people, it seems like they always like kind of something that's kind of hard, you know, like hard rock or rock. There's always like, that stuff seems to have stood the test of time, even though people say rock is dead or whatever, but yet all these heavy rock bands are doing really well. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, and, and like I said, with Slaves to Humanity, who's kind of like also a 90s throwback. We're, we're kind of going for this. It's almost like they're like the new Soundgarden in a way. Mm. Okay. Um, and it's really working. I mean, cool. on radio, people are just eating it up. So I do think that stuff is, is definitely coming back. Okay. Um, you know, where it's going to go, I don't know. Um, I think for us, it was just we really wanted to go back there again, you know, as artists. Sure. Mm -hmm. 
and and have this in our repertoire again. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean we're going to dismiss everything we've done in the past or whatever, but I I definitely think this harder sound for us is definitely connecting with a lot of people. So very cool. I'm sure there'll be more of it. Awesome, (laughs) awesome. Well, before you know, you hit mainstream success with OG back in the '90s. You know, you got your chops originally. On the Sunset Strip in the 80s, you play guitar for Rough Cut, Jailhouse, you know, those are two of the Sunset, you know, Strip, uh, LA hard rock bands. Yet, unlike a lot of artists that were part of that scene, you were, all, you were able to, you know, reinvent yourself and, and make your mark within the industrial scene, late, you know, years later, um, after the whole Sunset Strip, you know, scene sort of faded away and grunge, grunge came around. So, I mean, how were you able to pull it off? Because that, you know, that's something that's been very difficult to change gears, you know, after that. See, I mean, so many artists from that era tried to do that um, and were very unsuccessful. But for you, I mean, not only were you successful with Orgy and your bands, you also were an engineer. You mixed, you know, bands like a lot of those new metal bands, Cold Chamber, Spine Shank. You also did scores for movies. I mean, you've been really successful. What do you think that you've done right that maybe some of the peers weren't able to do in, in order to further their careers? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a tough one to answer. Um, I I do I, I feel like I'm a bit of a chameleon. Um, it, it's it's funny because I've always looked up to Madonna, the artist Madonna, mm-hmm. um, for her abilities to be somewhat of a chameleon. And there there's other artists as well that have been able to do things like that. And although you know I'm not a fan of a lot of the stuff she's been doing lately. Sure. Mm-hmm. But over the years, I always thought, man, it's so cool how someone like that can, can you know, weave in and out of all these different scenes and has had su- success in so many different genres over the years. Um, and I always thought to myself, well, you know, even it's funny because when I was in Rough Cut, I was really into new wave music. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and if you, if you go back and you kind of look at the way I looked, you know, the way I dressed and stuff. Like I was listening to like The Cure and Lords in the New Church and mm. um, New Order. And so, you know, Rough Cut, in a sense for me, was was obviously some somewhat of a stepping stone. Mm. Um, you know, at the time, I think I probably would have preferred to be in some sort of like punk or new wave or goth band or whatever. But I had an opportunity and I was also like a metal guitar player because maybe because I'm a Gemini or whatever it is, but I definitely have, you know, multifacets into things that I'm into. And, um, you know, it was an opportunity that came along. I'm I'm extremely grateful for that opportunity and all the things that Ronnie Dio did for us and um, my band, you know, helping me be a better musician because I was the young kid in that band. Right. Um, But, you know, it was like when I was on tour with Rough Cut, I was going to the Stark Club in Dallas. Okay. And listening to the cult and like, you know, so I was, <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing right from the beginning. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've always had this kind of duality or this ability to sort of morph into different scenes. And although I kind of struggled for a while um, doing different things and I did branch out to start, you know, doing engineering and producing. And, you know, that's when I was doing the eels and coal chamber and, all this other stuff, Danzig and whatever, that was around the time when Orgy formed. Mm -hmm. And Orgy was sort of the perfect storm for me because when you think of my roots and what I was into, it was like this new wave, gothic, you know, yes, electronic 
industrial, but then it was kind of hard and metal, new metal or whatever, right? Put together. Mm. So it kind of had all the elements for me. And I was able to kind of run free and, and really reinvent myself. And although we didn't really hide it, we, we actually used to do really funny things because, um, you know, Jay was actually a big fan of Rough Cut and that's how we met. Oh, wow. Okay. He respected my work through all the bands that I had been in before then. And um, that's really initially how we met was that he was kind of a fan of my work and I guess maybe that ability he saw that ability as well and um, like in some of our early promo shots if you're bored sometime and you go on the internet you'll see that like Jay or Ryan they're like wearing rough cut shirts oh, oh nice oh nice yeah, yeah. And it's kind of <laughs> kind of me like being like <laughs> right? a lot of people didn't even know I was in that band because my look was so different you know the makeup sure. hair and People started figuring it out. I remember when Lars figured it out from Metallica. He, that was really funny. I have a funny Lars story about a Rough Cut song, but um, I've known those guys. They actually came to our first show in London. They were at the Marquee Metallica. Okay. Came to see us, and I became friends with Lars um, after that show. But I have a zillion stories of you know all the travels and the many years of all these bands, but. I don't know that I necessarily have an answer for, for your question. Um, I think for me, it's just that I've always tried to just keep pushing forward and not look back and just really experiment. And I, I listen to a lot of music. I'm like an avid vinyl collector. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I love to just kind of mix and match things. And I think that's part of it, you know, is that I, I've, I've been able to change and, Every project that I work with, whether it's my own or other bands, I always like to create some sort of a unique sound. You know, it's like when I work with Cold Chamber, I help them create the that guitar sound um, for that album. Or like, you know, doing the record with Chester and Dead by Sunrise, you know, we created a sound there. And Julian Kay has a sound that was somewhat different than Orgy. But now, you know, we're getting a little, there's a bit of Orgy in there now, too, because I feel like. We should own that. Sure. Why not? Why not? Mm -hmm. No one else is doing it. So yeah. we'll, we'll, you know, throw that in the mixing pot too. But I mean, Julian Kay has its own sound. Ryan's a different singer. Um, even like I said, Slaves to Humanity, the band I'm working with right now, I've, I've created a sound for them. So it's kind of all a part of it is just always experimenting, always uh, trying things, mixing it up. You know, it doesn't always work. You know, whenever you're kind of, you know, going out of the comfort zone, you know, you're going to miss once in a while. It happens. Yeah, of course. I think that's true for any artist. But without trying things and experimenting, you're never going to find those cool different things and be able to reinvent yourself or whatever, you know. True. Absolutely. And, and you know what, what's interesting, Amir, is that building off what you just said, Julian Kay is a band that really – You've built that. You've built that existence without record industry. You know, it, it's it's been you and the fans, and the fans have been that piece. And I'm curious for you, is it the least bit? I'm gonna guess the answer is no on this, but <laughs> is it the least bit scary to take chances when, you know, you know as well as I do, fans are as fickle as anybody, and 
you if you would if you do one album that they just think is shit, well then you know that might kill the entire move of Julian K. You yeah. know, it's, it's a risky decision because you don't have a record company to back you. You know, for you, do you see it as a risk or do you just kind of feel like you're going to you're going to do best and the fans are already going to be in tune somewhat with where you are? Uh, that's a, another good question. Um, you know, I think with the first album, it was probably less of a risk because it, it did mirror a little more of where we came from, although there was... A few songs I actually feel that probably shouldn't even been on that record. Um, but I think with our second record, that was definitely a departure. And I'm still surprised at how many of our fans actually really love that record, even though it's so different. Um, it was, you know, very electronic, not very hard or heavy or, you know, they're really, it was very post-punk and electronic and very modern sounding. Yeah. And, it, it was, it's still been one of our best-selling records ever. So it seems like at least the hardcore fans that we have, they seem to really enjoy this journey that we've been doing. And, of course, there's some that don't like it. You know, I mean, there's actually some fans that don't like this new record. Well, Insanity. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, I really liked what you were doing on the California Noir stuff. And this record, I just don't get it. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, well... I actually expected more people not to be into it, to be honest. You know, I figured after we did all the California Noir stuff that people would be like, what the fuck are you guys doing with this record? Like, <laughs> this is like, yeah. wow. And Ryan's like screaming and all this like crazy stuff. But it really needed to be done, you know, for us too. It, it really, this record became more than just that initial concept I had. You know, when Chester passed, this record became like, this like I, I don't know but his spirit okay. sort of came into us and um, and throughout the process especially vocally because ryan really stepped it up um i think we all were, were just kind of thinking like you know we wanted to make this record something that we knew that if chester was here and he heard that he'd be like, fuck so <laughs> fucking god holy fuck you know like he would he would have loved this record. Very cool. Awesome, well, man. everybody should love it. It's Harmonic yeah. Disruptor. It is Julian Kay. And, and Amir, I'll tell you what, man, uh, as a tradition on the podcast, we always end with um, with a song. I was thinking we would end with Burn the System since that's the first single. Um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about that one to wrap this up? Um, okay. Well, that one is was was a song that was started with Ryan, I think Alex and Biddy too, maybe. Um, I know they were a part of it as well, and and then I kind of came in and twists and turns and things happened, and then not totally sure how I don't remember exactly how the vocals came about, but it's definitely one of the songs that um, is definitely Chester related. Okay. Believe it or not. Um, obviously, it has a pretty universal sort of theme to it, you know, this sort of gang, you know, burn the system down, but whatever. But it was kind of like, wow, Chester really kind of burned the system down when, okay. when he did, you know, what happened. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's definitely about all of that. Um, it's, you know, it's tough. It's tough to talk about any of that stuff. Sorry to be a downer, but. Right, no, sure. It's. Um, 
it, it, it's an anthem that really is kind of dedicated to that whole thing and, and how we feel, I guess, you know, about it and how we can sort of fight back and, and sort of have his spirit and know what he would think and, you know, know that he's there. And that's kind of, you know, it's just, it's, it's really is a, about fighting. Sure. And yep. moving forward and trying to get through this all together. Exactly. Well, let's get through it now with this killer song. It is Burn the System. It's Julian Kay right here on Aftershock. Thanks for listening to Aftershocks. For more episodes, go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com. Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com. For all comments and questions, please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com. <laughs>